Welcome to Leave No Doubt. I've been joined by Matt Ritchie. Matty, firstly, thank you for joining me uh, on the podcast. How are you doing? My pleasure, Parts. Very well, thanks, mate. You? Yeah, good, good. Um, to get us started, mate, obviously know you well, and, and to give people a slight bit of context, we grew up with each other since, I think, five, six years old, played with each other, uh, you know, until we was uh, 15, 16 years old. So your passion for the game... When we were growing up, you just had this like incredible love and enthusiasm for football. Um, it's something that I really speak to a lot of people that it is, it's certainly noticeable with you. Um, how important do you think it is for guys to have a huge sense of enthusiasm about a game if they want to ultimately become successful? Yeah, um, that was just something that naturally came to me. I had, uh, had an older brother, played football, uh, grew up with a ball. Um, but yeah, I think that you, you certainly from a young age I think um, having my own kids now my little man's not too bothered about football um, and it's one of those you can't really push him to love it um, he's got to want to play if he, if he wants to play he needs to want it um, and I always did as a kid um, it was my I wasn't the most academic academic kid in the world so I think it was a it was a it was a game and a, and a sport that I could express myself at. And um, um, at a young age, I was, I was probably told that I, I had a, I had a bit of a, a ability and, and I just, I used that as a, as a motivation to, to keep improving and, and went from there really, mate. But see, like a lot of young guys obviously love football. It's around us all the time. You can get immersed in it by seeing what, you know, the guys on the television and stuff, but Back when we were young, there was no social media, there was no YouTube videos, like you very rarely saw football on the telly. And you, like, I'm, I feel like I loved football when I was a kid, but not as much as, as you did. Like, you, <laughs> it was just insane, mate. Every training session, every match day, like you were, uh, you know, head and shoulders, not just like an ability, we'll talk about that later, but talking about your enthusiasm. Like what, what do you think it was about you, that, or what do you think it is about football that you ended up just loving so much? Honestly, I can't put my finger on one thing, um, but I, I remember. I remember even to to this day, people people say this guy's mad. Um, we'll finish training. I want to play tech ball. I'll be the last one on the pitch. Can we do this? Can we do finishing or whatever? Um, it's just how I've always been, and I suppose that that's the. I would say that's probably one of the, my biggest strengths that I love the game and I'm willing to go above and beyond to to try and be successful within it. So. Um, I just continue to do that. I know that it's a positive thing, um, and I've probably learned that the, this is the sort of thing that um, can can keep you in a team or uh, set examples for others. Um, it's just it was just always there. I, I, used, I remember used to walk to school. Um, I'd take a ball to school, and I'd I genuinely want to walk to school on my own rather than meet my mates at the shop because it allowed me to take a ball. And I used to walk down Privet Road, Oval Gardens and um, uh, into Bay House. And I used to kick the ball against all the walls on the way there, left and right foot. And that was just my, my, my walk to school. I absolutely loved it. See, when uh, even when we was first in teammates at Bournemouth, like there was, a, I think, probably about a two-month period where after training every day and after the extras after training... They had, we just, I'm going to plug the facilities that we're sat in now. We're sat in a change room at, at Stoneham Lane Complex, Hampshire FA. Um, so thank you to the guys, obviously, for, for allowing us to use their facilities. But we've just walked past a bounce board, like a, you know, a big, like, netted, netted bounce board. 
And after training every single day, you would get on me to stay out and play two touch against this board. We'd just play for about 30 minutes an hour. And I was ready to go in. I thought I'd done enough. And you, ne- you never allowed me to, to, to go in without playing. The reason why I talk about that is because you've never allowed other people's perceptions of, you know, it can be seen as bit, people watch this podcast will understand the word busy and it's been spoken about before and all these extras and that enthusiasm. You never allowed anybody else to make you feel like that was a bad thing. No, um, I don't know where that really came from. As I say, it was just a, a habit, a, a habit that I was always, I always had a ball. Any, anyone that knew me as a kid would say he always had a ball with him. However big it was, it might have been a tennis ball, whatever it was, it was a ball. And I might have been throwing it, wherever, I don't know. But uh, that was just how I always was. And um, it was encouraged. Uh, Sean North was my youth team coach and he was the same. He used to encourage us, um, always, always have a ball with you and small rep- repetition of things and play against the ball and, my dad was the same. My dad used to say, go and, go and play against the wall in the drive or whatever. And that's what we did. Um, but yeah, training, I mean, I remember I remember the days parts, I've got to be honest. I remember it clearly where it was on the pitch and everything. Um, but I loved it. It was like, a, it, I think at the time, it was like a new toy for us at the training ground. It was a big black net in a sort of a, a spring frame. And like you say, I remember you used to fire it in at the bottom and it would ping up and it tested your reactions, your touch, everything. And for me, it was like, what were we, 20, 24 so maybe? Mid-20s, yeah. Mid-20s, early 20s. Like, where else are you going to go? I didn't I didn't like gaming. I didn't like uh, drinking or anything like that. Um, my only focus was football, 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 and how can I reach my goals and, and, and try and play at the highest level I possibly can. And I knew that practice was all I knew, really. Keep practicing, keep working hard. Um, and it was just something that I loved. And like you say, it, it, sometimes it may have been too much. Um, I, I picked up a few injuries actually probably through o- over, overworking and, but it was, uh, I just loved it. I love football. We're going to get more into that, mate, in a, a sort of an overriding theme of your career. But, um, I'm interested to talk to you a little bit more about those early days. Cause, uh, I've, you know, I watched these podcasts back and, one of the conversations I had with Wiltshire, not just to, to sort of plug a, a big player's name, but uh, I asked him about his talent as a young player. The reason why I bring that up to you is because obviously I was around you during that time. And although I was quite a talented young kid, like you were still within the talented, the best of the talented. Um, the question I asked him was, do you think you're born with talent or do you think you learn to be talented? Um, and I'm asking you this because you practiced every day. Your way to school in training, match days, like it was never a time you've just told us that, that you rarely had a, didn't have a ball. Do you think you were the perfect combination of talent and hard work, or do you think you're born with talent or you can learn to be talented? Um, it's a really good question, Bart. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think you have to have a certain level of ability, but for sure you, you it's for me, the higher you go, it's about finding a way because ultimately there's not too many players that have everything. Maybe Kevin De Bruyne, he's got the lot. Um, but the higher you go, it's about finding a way and um, nailing down one skill maybe that, that, you've, that you're good at and making that your, your masterpiece and then trying to build blocks around that so that you can you can execute it within games and 
Um, through my career, I developed, it was always said he's got a powerful left foot as a young boy. Um, and I just stuck to that. I was like, keep shooting my left foot. Everyone says it's, it's a rocket. Keep shooting with it. And that's what I did. And, and then all of a sudden crossing, I put a few good balls in it. I remember being at Notts County on loan and scored a few goals and this guy could shoot from anywhere. He scores goals from everywhere. Um, so just listening to probably what people told me was good, I just continued to try and do. Someone's told me that's good. I'm going to continue to try and do that. And um, that, that, that's what I always done. I always just uh, try to improve areas that weren't so good as well. As you are when you're young, mate, my, obviously my parents and, and your parents were friends and, I never felt like like if I speak to my parents about my youth football now, like they they wouldn't say that they were pushy parents, and and they'd agree that your parents weren't weren't pushy parents. But a lot of parents these days are, and they they put a lot of pressure on their children to to be successful at football, to practice, and and to play well, um, which some people can or cannot deal with. But you never had that drive from your your parents. It wasn't them that that were pushing you when you were young. How did you, you know, we talked about your enthusiasm and, and we will continue to, but that level of passion that you had for football didn't come from your parents. You weren't being pushed. So what do you think it was about you that wanted to practice, that wanted to work hard? Uh, first of all, it was just my love of football. I think obviously I remember being um, probably the feeling of, of uh, recognition or um, praise. Everyone, Everyone's human. We all love that that feeling when someone says well done or pat you on the back and you made the difference today son and from a young age that's how it was uh, I remember playing for Gosport Borough I was I think I'd just turned six maybe or five at Moncton and Dave Hurst did the presentation after the tournament we won 2-1 or 3-1 in, in the final I was really young Dave Hurst the Portsmouth Academy manager at the time did the um, presentation and he done like a little speech about me and he said uh, in many years I think I'll see this boy at at a Portsmouth first team level and I remember that to this day and that that feeling as a as a young kid even of course you're the one being singled out for being excellent um it's a nice feeling so probably that was probably the thing that drove me the the feeling of at the time I didn't know it but the feeling of recognition and 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 as I say high praise it's a it's a human nature I suppose so see like you would train almost every night match days on the weekend your parents were obviously willing to to take you there and drive you there. Um, did they like they didn't expect anything from you? I'd imagine. But what when did football become like? You obviously love the game, and you're talking about proper childhood here, like sort of like younger than twelve years old. But at the age of fourteen, fifteen, where that you start to have the pressure of scholarships after school and stuff. And, you, you know, we both know that you were never going to go into university and, and be a scientist. That just wasn't your path. Um, <laughs> But when did you turn this love and this passion, enthusiasm into a serious ambition to become a, a footballer? Really early parts, I've got to be honest. It was like, even in, se- I remember being at senior school and I was in year seven. Uh, Mr. Spall was my head teacher. And um, I always to say is I just want to be at football. I want to, uh, I want to, I want to go and play. I want to go and train. Um, and at school, I was a restless kid. It wasn't that, it wasn't that I didn't enjoy school because I did, but I just wanted to play football. I look forward to break time to play football. And I remember my teacher, Mr. Sport, he was the head of year and he said, look, Matt, we understand what you, what your aspirations are, but um, you, you need to apply yourself at school as well as 
from football because what happens if you if you get injured or uh, something happens that you can't play football anymore and and I just never saw that I, I I couldn't accept it and I think in the end they probably agreed to disagree with me and and it came to I think at 14 Portsmouth offered me a scholarship and um the school sort of supported me in that so I'll, I'll always be thankful for for that because I think it was uh, probably my last two years at school I, I used to come out of school um on a Friday and I train with um, the youth team and that was again that was great a great experience for me I was only a young boy and uh, I was training with what sometimes could have been 19 year olds because it was in those that back in back in the day it was her uh, 17s and 19s so yeah it was uh, it was a crazy time but it was just always my love for football above everything so see um how in your opinion then if you know if parents or, or young guys from in sort of that 15 16 17 year old age a gap are listening to this what can they do physically like how can they change their football lifestyle from taking looking at football as a sense of fun mm-hmm. to treating football like you want it to be your your life career yeah the balance is so uh like so you remember can you remember what you did the balance to- is so important yeah sorry um what did I do? I I ran because I knew that physically I weren't as strong or as quick as everyone. That was my biggest weakness, probably athleticism. I was never gifted. I'm, I'm short. I'm stocky. Um, technically, I was probably one of the better ones in my groups. Um, but also, parts I, I I know that um, we we live in in the south, and you know what it's like here. Like it's not it's not hundreds and hundreds of really good players whereas you go to London and you're exposed to top top players and we played um, my club team played a tournament at uh, Hackney Marshes it was a it was a massive tournament uh, sponsored by Nike and a huge event and um, we played we played in this tournament and there were like lads teams and lads from Manchester and um, all the top teams in London and that that was an eye opener for me we actually we, we won the tournament uh, and I still have the box of Lego that we won it. It was I think it was under twelves or fourteens or whatever. And we won this. We the box of Lego. It's a Sabutio Lego. I still have it now. Um, and that was an eye opener for me because I realised that in in Portsmouth, in around Southampton League or whatever we were playing in, um, I was a good player. But all of a sudden, you go out to London and you get the boys from Manchester and the bigger cities and. You're, you're you're sort of one of many, you know, uh, and that was motivation for me because I thought, how can I be better than these guys now? This is this is sort of the 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 bar, and um, I used to run, I used to run, I used to have a, you know, I'm like as, as you as I've just said, the a ball everywhere, and I used to go uh, lamp post to lamp post, uh, Privet Road, round past Stokes, Stokes Bay, um, in Gosport, and I used to run and. and the next day try and get to the, the, the next lamppost before the and, and just always trying to creep improvement and, and get fitter and I've always done that throughout my career even now today I, I, in the summer as I've said before in the summer I use that as a as a sort of building block to make sure I'm, the, I'm one of the fittest when we go back Nobody was putting that pressure on you to, to, be, to be fitter like I, I was as a kid you know I was fit but I was never it wasn't in my mentality, mate, honestly, to 
to get fitter to like I, I knew I could run but I wasn't out running like you were and I actually didn't know that that's what you were doing at the times so it wasn't like when you're that age we're young guys in a youth team you wouldn't have you know felt comfortable saying to me like oh, I'll go running like most most nights because you'd have almost felt embarrassed about it but it wasn't like that drive wasn't coming from you know Sean North our coach might have been saying to you in particular because obviously you were you were a special talent in that group like maybe you should you should get fitter as it's going to help you but there was no other players, no other, your parents probably weren't telling you, Matt, you should go for a run or, or Matt, you're a bit unfit. You were fit. Mm-hmm. Where did that, like, where did that drive to, to become fitter? Like, how, why did you put so much importance on being fitter? I don't even know if I knew at the time. It was just like I had so much energy. Um, I was always bouncing around. If I wasn't playing football, I wanted to do something that was involved in football or connected. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I just loved it. I loved it. I don't know where it came from. I think I re- when I think back, I remember like, I don't know, I met players, say I met Matty Taylor or I don't know, some of the, some of the lads that were at Portsmouth that they were top players. I wanted to dress like them. I wanted to, I wanted to watch what they were eating. I, w- I was just obsessed with football and trainers. I used to, I used to do a paper round and I remember doing the paper round thinking I'll be able to get an Adidas shell suit at the end of the week. You know, that was what I did. It. That's why I did the paper round because I wanted a shell suit the same as the Pompey first team player or that's how it was. See, uh, you, you must have spent most of that on All Saints. You got a little bit older, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Some All Saints gear back in the day. Um, tell me the story, mate, because, you know, I've heard it, but the, but the people listening won't. So I think it's, you know, it's quite a, a refreshing story of how you... Where did you used to run when you when you was in Gosport? Whose house did you used to run past? Yeah, I used to run past Northie's house. He was my um, he was my youth team coach. Um, when I, it, this was when I was like probably fifteen, sixteen, and uh, Gary O'Neill, obviously, uh, he was at Portsmouth at the time, and he had moved from London, and he was living with Sean North, and um, he was like the next big thing. And it was James Keane, similar age, similar age probably. Um, and then Gary O'Neill was like the, the the young player coming through at Portsmouth, and um, I used to I used to go past the green in the village, the village green, and uh, Vinny and, and Shane Sean's kids would be playing with 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 Gaz O'Neill on the on the village green, and that used to, I used to drive past. I think I'd love to go and get involved in that, but never really I wasn't really quite connected to them like that, you know. Um, so when I was in the summer, every summer Northy was always on at me. To be fair. Matty, keep working, make sure you come back. And and probably Norfolk was a massive driver and, and still is today. I still speak to Sean today and uh, what a support he's been throughout my career. But um, I used I used to run past the village and thinking, I hope Norfolk sees me running because um, I know he'd be chuffed, you know. And it was it was small things like pleasing people. I, 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 I've always wanted to please people. Um, so, yeah, it was... Uh, it was it, real good, real good childhood memories, really, of, of running, as I say, out past the Kingfisher and down the beach and back past Northeast House. That was like, whoa, that's a good, that's a good stint. It's probably I don't know seven eight k. Um, so yeah, it was good. We're talking about you being a, a special talent, mate. And when you were younger, I always saw you as being like I, I wouldn't argue that at that age you aspire to be someone that you play like, but I could certainly you know admire you at that age in in terms of the it appeared like you were super confident. You always took the ball, you took risks. You're talking about having a powerful left foot. You'd shoot from everywhere. I remember driving home, my parents thinking, oh, like, 
Matt was good today. Matt was good today. Most most weekends, Matt was good today. But see, I've I've listened to a lot of interviews, mate. Obviously, in the build up to this podcast, and, and knowing you as I do, I know that you've been super nervous going into new environments. So when you signed for like interviews of you, when you've gone to Swindon, when you've gone to uh, your loan moves from Portsmouth, you signed for Bournemouth on the, like in in your first interaction with players at Bournemouth and training. Of, of having those feelings of ner- nervousness and, and pressure. But I never, you know, you, you hid that very well because I never saw that from you. How do you think that you managed to, because you probably even felt that you were very early age when you start to train with Portsmouth's first team. You must have felt that, you know, those nerves and those pressure, but you never allowed it to take over your body enough for you to, to stop being able to perform. Um, I think it's so relatable at the moment that people find it tough to deal with pressure and to deal with nerves to, to actually go out and perform and, there's something that I've read about recently that's called a flow state where you, you, you don't allow pressure to take over your body and you can just play. And, and you always seem to do that really well. Yeah, for sure. I think I think anything in life, um, if you care about something in life, there's, there's a feeling with that. Um, and I cared about football. I cared about my career. I cared about um, doing well for me. Above everything, it was me uh, that I was, that I was selfish, really. Um, I used to go into games thinking only about goals and assists, knowing that if I score a goal or I can get some assists, that will help the team. Um, and that's still my uh, still my sort of mindset today. If I'm individually right, collect and do and do the instructions that the managers asked me to to do. If I can carry that out, and ten other lads carry that out as a team, we're going to be collectively good. So that would be my. Um, Still, my mindset, but the, uh, the the nerves. I think I've always gone into situations nervous. I stand on the first tee at golf when I was ten or whatever I was, and there's still a. I'm confident that I have I, I've got the shot in my in my locker, you know. But I still have a element of hope. This does go down the middle, you know. Like there's still a feeling with that because I I cared so much about golf or whatever it was, whether it was football, golf, table tennis against my dad or whatever. I cared about winning. Um, I wanted to be the winner. I wanted to be the best, the best I could be. Um, in fact, I wanted to be the, at that age, I didn't understand. It was like, I want to be the best. Um, so I just, nerves, nerves, nerves are still there today. If I, if I, if I walk out of the weekend, there's still nerves, but you learn how to handle, handle the nerves, the pressure, the, those feelings. And I think that's what I did from an early age really. And, I love I love that pressure. Even today, still, obviously, I'm injured at the moment, and and I'm missing missing that feeling of the pressure and the 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 strive for success in whatever your goal is. So, see, I want to get a little bit more detail out of you, that mate. When you're talking about feeling nervous and and the interviews that I've seen about you joining new clubs and first training sessions and stuff like that, what do you think? Like, because a lot of people will go through that. They, they join new clubs and. Was it either the the perception of how you wanted your new teammates to to see you, or or was it? Did you question? Am I good? Because bearing in mind when you signed for places like Notts County, Dagenham, you were on loan from a, a high level. When you signed for Swindon, you'd come from a high level, so you knew you could play at that at that level. Like, what's where did those talk to me a little bit more detail about, about how the nerves felt and what you ended up doing to overcome them. Yeah, good. Um, a good, really good learning curve for me in that sense was Dagenham and Redbridge. I went on loans at Dagenham and Redbridge, and uh, 
I was so I was so nervous the first time I moved away from home. Um, first first time I've been on loan. First league football. First first sort of uh, eye opener to being actually in a dressing room where it was like life or death for these lads. It was like food on the table or not sort of thing. Um, and that was that was amazing for me. But the manager John Still at the time, uh, Harry Redknapp's uh, close friend, and and John Still was the manager and. Um, I went on loan there and I was, I think I'd just turned 18 or maybe 17. And John still said to me, he said, uh, come in, work your socks off and enjoy yourself. And I can't thank him enough for that because that's literally what I did. But in terms of nerves, I remember going into, into the dressing room and the environment was, it was like, it was a real man's environment. You know, I, I wasn't ready for it really. And the, the above above being a good a good player and performing, the lads wanted you to be a good good lad. You know, like I, I worked that out very quickly. Like if there was a few lads that were a little bit lively, and you can imagine what what some lads were like. Um, they didn't they didn't they didn't get a chance on the pitch because straight away the, the mind was made up before they went on the grass. Um, so I'm, I, I I sort of learned that very quickly, probably from from seeing examples in the Dagenham dressing room, and I was like. Why, is, why are the boys so harsh on this kid? And it was because in the dressing room and off the pitch, it's bouncing around thinking he run the show. And I learned from, from the bad ones, if you like. Uh, and that carried me through my career. And like you say, I remember coming to Bournemouth, Bournemouth were flying at the time. I'd signed from Swindon, um, a real close knit team uh, even then. And I remember coming in and it's like, you want, you're going into a new environment. You want the lads to like you. You want to be likable. Um, and after that, I think you get, you build relationships off the pitch. All of a sudden you go on the pitch, you feel like I'm with my mate on the pitch here. Um, so, so, so many small things that people, people probably don't take into account um, when you go into a football club and the older you get, the easier it becomes because everyone knows that uh, if you go up to someone and shake someone's hand, you they think, oh, he's a nice lad. He's come and say hello. He's put himself out and um, that becomes an easier thing to do. But I, w- I would always say, for, for younger players, be polite, have manners, have respect. It takes you such a long way, such a long way. Sometimes it takes you further than your ability. So tell me how somebody who wants to become a professional footballer or, or is a professional footballer and wants to aspire to play to the, to the top level like you have, how can they combine being selfish, like you've said you, you were a lot, uh, you know, arguably because of your success, you sort of have to be. How can you combine being selfish with being a good teammate? I think I think honesty is key. I think um, be, 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 being selfish is fine if you can be a good team player and you're you're with your team. You know, if you're if you're doing if you're doing everything you possibly can to be the best player you can be, um, and you may there may be moments where you dig your teammate out or you ask for more from your teammates. Um, but you have to be able to accept that in reverse. Um, but I, I feel like people respect that. People respect that as long as they can see. As, as, if I have a teammate and I can see that he's giving everything, um, he might be having a bad day, or uh, as I say, vice versa. I think that um, I think it's acceptable. Everyone has bad days. Everyone has a bad game. Everyone has a bad touch. Everyone has a bad time, a bad moment, a bad month, a bad year. Everyone. 
It's how, it's how you react to that and how you carry yourself through that. It's easy when you're scoring goals, when you're making assists, when everything's going well. It's how you act when it's not going so well that I think is, is a huge, huge thing. And, and really, will, those moments will dictate the direction that your career goes. So on the surface, if anybody looked at your career, it would look like, I mean, possibly when you left Portsmouth, but that, you know, it was a difficult first team to break into at that, at that time. But since then, you loan at Notts County, Dagenham was successful. You won Young Player of the Year at, at Portsmouth while she was out on loan. You went to Swindon, you got promoted out, out of League Two and, and performed incredibly well in League One. You go to Bournemouth, you get promoted, you get promoted, you're in the Premier League, you go to Newcastle, you get promoted. I mean, on the surface, if anybody had a page of your of your CV, mate, of your clubs, they would argue that you'd never been, been through anything negative. Like, it's, everything looks positive. This, this geezer's had nothing but success. Have you ever had, a, you know, what moments have you struggled, uh, I guess, for form or, or have you ever questioned your, your love for it? Or, or when you're speaking there on, on people who have tough moments, maybe tough days, tough weeks, tough years, have you ever? Yeah, for sure, yeah. So many um, throughout, throughout my career, really, from the, from the get-go. Uh, as you know, my dream was always Portsmouth. It was like Portsmouth's my club, um, as you say, Harry Redknapp built an unbelievable team there at just, probably just the wrong time for me in the sense that uh, I was I think I was probably 16, 17 and just won the FA Cup. Um, players like Diara, Montari. You ended up uh, making two Premier League appearances, though. Yeah, yeah, I did in the end. But again, that was, um, that was a little bit later. And whilst we were relegated, so we were in the Premier League, we, we, I think we had already been relegated. Um, we played Wigan and then... Uh, Aston Villa the last few games under Avram Grant but um, the, the, the toughest moment was leaving Portsmouth definitely I'd been on loan and I really loved playing I, I loved playing so much that I went back to Portsmouth and I started playing uh, the first 10 games in the championship I think it was I really enjoyed it loved it played left back out of position I was learning I felt like I was I was doing alright but I was the young one and and um, the manager at the time signed a few more experienced players and I fell by the wayside and I was sitting watching on a Saturday and when you had a taste of, I'd been at, um, I'd been at Dagenham and played 30, 35 games or something, scored 11 goals and five assists or whatever it was. Uh, it was like, this is good. Went to Notts County, similar thing. Had a really successful spell there. Loved it again, away from home, meeting new people, new challenges. Um, met some great lads there and uh, went back to Portsmouth and it didn't, I didn't quite just fall into play, playing, you know, and, and when I fell out of sort of, the, I wasn't even getting on at the weekend or something and it only happened for probably four weeks and I was like, I need to play. This is no good for me. Like I'm, I'm going, I feel like I'm going stagnant. I just want to kick a ball basically. And uh, we decided, I went on loan in January with the manager and um, I went to Swindon and um, that season was fantastic. They were really, they were doing really well. I had to fight to get in the team, even at Swindon, which was uh, which was good for me because it was like, hold on, a minute. I, as a kid, you think oh, I'm going to Swindon, I'm going to play, but it's, you realise soon quickly there's good players at Swindon, and we were in League One at the time. There's, there's very good players there, you know, and, and like I said earlier about the London boys being a bigger, bigger city, better players. I went to Swindon, and Danny Ward was there. He's on absolute fire, like. 
every week I was sitting there thinking, why have they signed me here? Like, this guy's unbelievable. He's playing uh, right wing. And uh, the boys done great. And I played a part in that season. That was a really good experience. But um, the next season then, I signed for Swindon. We got relegated. And that was, a, that, was the, that was the first moment in my career I thought, this is, this is going to be tough to get back to where I, where I, where I thought I was going, you know? Um, and I, I really had to work hard ultimately. That was, that was the first, first season that I thought I've got to give everything here. That, not, not, not that I hadn't given everything before. I, I've got to give everything here to, to make sure my luck comes in and, and I can either perform and, and make, get a move for myself and use this as a platform or with Swindon, let's try and get promoted. And, and we did, uh, got promoted from, from League Two under the Canio. And again, amazing experience. Um, I still speak to him now and what a, what a man played a, such a huge, huge part in my life um, in terms of principles, how I should live my life as a professional footballer. And um, he was amazing. And then Bournemouth, similar thing. I think Bournemouth was a such good timing, obviously with, with the gaffer being, being the gaffer, you, you, you saw it in, for your, in firsthand with your own eyes and <clears throat> the mentality the culture that he created throughout the club, um, it was hard not to go there and, and buy into it. It was like, this is just what an environment to go and, to go and play in, you know, it wanted you to play forward, wanted you to express yourself as a team, gave us everything we could possibly ever ask for. Um, as a club, the same. Uh, it was just, it was brilliant. And I, I, I loved every minute of it. And um, there were tough times. There were times where Gaffer would take me off and I'd be thinking, why is he taking me off? And, um, you, you, the biggest quality that the gaffer had in my opinion was when I look back I played every game under under him that I was fit near enough and only every Thursday I thought I hope I play at the weekend and it's only since I've left um, and and look back that you realise how did he make me think that every Thursday yet yeah, for four and a half years I played every game really that I was fit and it's a skill in itself, I think, and it certainly kept you on your toes. And I think that was the same for all the lads. Um, but yeah, that um, that identity that I mean, I can give people an insight into your identity, especially as a young player coming through at Portsmouth. Is is Matt Ritchie was well known in the area. He was, you know, you were the guy that like we talk. You've mentioned Gary O'Neill already, but Gary O'Neill was sort of like the Portsmouth poster boy. Of he came through the youth team, played in the first team, super successful. You were the next Gary O'Neill and that was, everybody had that expectation of you. Um, and recently Declan Rice has, has spoken to Gary Neville. I'm not sure how, you know, how much I should plug other podcasts, but <laughs> the, like the open goal you did with, um, obviously with Cy Ferry about the Kenya, we'll get on, like, I'm not going to ask you all the stupid stories, but I'm, I'm going to ask you in more detail how he was good. But this Gary Neville podcast, obviously, he speaks to Declan Rice about his identity as a young player and how that when he left Chelsea, as a young player, he felt like he lost his identity. Um, and I'm interested to know, like, just into a little bit more detail, because a lot of kids, parents, will have a kid that goes through an academy for, for a long time, get to the age of 15, 16, sometimes get through into the youth team and then they, they drop out or they make a first team appearance. It doesn't work out for them. As, for example, what happened to you? How difficult was it for you to get over, you know, the loss of, I guess, that identity of being Portsmouth's young star that was that was destined to, to go into the first team there was no time for it parts to be honest 
there's no time. Um, it was like, you know what football's like. It, it, Did you know that then though? Um, yeah, I knew, yeah, I knew that uh, I, need, I need to perform ultimately. Um, yeah, I, me- I remember signing for Swindon and I remember signing for Swindon thinking this is a platform for me to go and express myself. I have to make sure I use it because if I fall from here, I'm probably falling out of leagues. Um, so I knew it was, it was ultimately down to me and that was that. Um, there's no other route. Um, you and I've spoken to Charlie Daniels recently, obviously spent a long time with the Bournemouth and one of the questions that I asked him, because Charlie's career path took him from Tottenham's reserves, almost in the first team, similar to you at Portsmouth, dropped in down to Leighton Orient, and then he signed for uh, Bournemouth and obviously had lift-off, similar to you in a way really, where he left Portsmouth, signed for Swindon, ended up having lift-off, signed for Bournemouth and, and that and sort of like ended up being super successful. But I asked Charlie, when you left Tottenham, were you a Premier League player? Or did you become a Premier League player? Because obviously, as we know now, the pair of you have played in the Premier League. You've made over 160 appearances in the Premier League. So we know you're a Premier League player. I asked him, did you feel like one when you left Tottenham or did you become one? He said, no, I was always a Premier League player. How yeah. did you feel? Yeah, Chaz has got a good mentality. That's what, uh, again, uh, I think it shows, like you said, his uh, his career, his drive. Chaz's, Chaz's mentality was, was second yeah, to none. The yeah. amount of... The amount of players that um, even that I saw that we signed in, very good players, by the way, as well, that we signed in, in his position at Bournemouth as competition. And Chaz just upped it every time. Like, no, nah, it's not happening. And, and he'd come back in that, that pre-season. He'd come back, he was flying. And it was like, he made the, made, made the decision for the manager by himself, you know. It, it's, it's impossible. So, again, mentality and... Uh, I've got a challenge on my hands. How am I going to approach this? Am I going to... But what about you, mate? When you left when you left Portsmouth, you played in the Premier League twice, you played in the Championships 10 times, you knew that you were a good player. Uh-huh. Did you feel like you get relegated from Swindon, right? In League One, you're in League Two now. Yeah. You've made Premier League appearances. Do you feel like a Premier League player that's in League Two or do you think you became a Premier League player over time? No, I became one, in my opinion. In my opinion, I became one because I had so many weaknesses uh, as I said, my strengths were my strengths, um, but I had to develop. I had to. I had to. My decision making was when I was younger was really bad. Um, as I say, I just thought oh, I've got a powerful left foot. I'm going to shoot every time I get within 25 yards, and that's what I did. And to a certain level, that that got me success. Um, but as soon as I met Eddie, um, as soon as I met Eddie, it was like, mate, this is one area that we really need to brush up on, like you're in great positions, but you need to slide your striker in or you need to play another pass before you get your shot. Or So that was a that was an area that we really worked on at Bournemouth. Um, and as a team, I think collectively, uh, we became better and better and better in and around the box because we had to, because teams would, in the end, teams would come and sit and, and bank up. So yeah, no, I, I developed. I developed definitely, for sure. I'm not trying to embarrass you, mate, by bigging you up too much, but, you know, even even though you were, and I keep mentioning it because, you know, there'll be kids like this everywhere and, and parents probably, like people who listen to this who are parents might have the child that's the, the outstanding talent in their age group. But you were always asking questions. It wasn't like that you were, you know, an outstanding player, but thought you were better than everybody else. You were very inquisitive, always wanted to ask questions, uh, wanted to learn, super enthusiastic as, as we've talked about. You just mentioned there that you you felt like you became a Premier League player after you know making appearances already. 
was it me and Eddie that you know that really managed to to manipulate your thought process about football like what was because you were asking questions before that we'll get to the canio in, in, in a bit obviously as well but how did you like for people's benefit like how did you learn what you thought you already knew everything about just watching more than anything I'd say I'd, like you say I was always asking questions why why are we doing this or even to myself I'd, I'd, question, I'd ask questions we were doing a passenger I'd be thinking well, you had to sit out most of those at the yeah, start didn't you Gaffer used to say to me mate sit at the side he pulled me out of one I remember we were, we were doing a passenger and I just could not get it for for love nor money and uh in the end, he was like, Matty, just stand on the side and watch it. And it was only then really that I realised how I, I need to, I'm a visual learner. I need to do, I need to see it to, to be able to then go and put it into practice. And um, yeah, it was, uh, he used to pull his hair out of me, I'm sure. Even now still he does. Um, but yeah, the, the, just, just watching and observing, even now I'm, I'm, there's so many, I've got so many different interests and I think, like YouTube now for me, it's just amazing. You can, you can go on and, and watch someone do something that you want to learn or um, pick up. So, you know, it's uh, just inquisitive, probably so, annoying at times. So if guys who, who are playing now already or who are young and, and, are, and are learning, what, what is your advice then ultimately on, on how they can learn on give us an insight into, you know, when, how did you feel like, what did Matt Ritchie look like when he thought he was a great player? So when he was actually a great player, what was the difference? Um, I never, I never thought I was a great player. It's probably my biggest strength. Um, I don't think I was a great player. Parts to be honest, or I am a great player. I, I think that I have tools. Um, well, even even when you were younger and and you know you were spoken about, you were playing up age groups because that must have. Uh, yeah, you know. of course. Like I said earlier, it's, it's it's good. It's recognition. But even when we won the championship at Bournemouth, and my my overriding feeling. I stood on the pitch at Charlton away and I stood there and I, re- I regret it slightly to now looking back because I didn't, I didn't enjoy the moment. It was like, this is another step in the right direction. But all the like smudges going along the fans, singing with the fans and the boys were all bouncing around. And there's not, I've got nothing against that. I wish that I was, in, I wish that I was that personality and I could do that. But in my, I, I remember standing there thinking, you should go and enjoy this. But I, I couldn't. It was just like, I don't know, it was just like, what was going I've, through I've not made, I remember the feeling, I remember, I remember feeling like it's just another step. It's another, it's another step in the right direction. Like it's, I'm, I'm not in my destination yet that I want to be at. Uh, I was always so hungry to play in the Premier League. Every, every, everyone's dream is to play in the Premier League. And um, yeah, Some, someone said to me once when I, I'd, I, I'd been at back and forth, young, back and forth to on loans, as we say, uh, not the clubs I've been to. And someone, someone once said to me, he said, uh, "You found your level," and he didn't mean it in a he didn't mean it in a nasty way, you know. What level were you playing at that, that time? I think I was League One. Right. He was like, "You found you, you you found your level. You seem settled now," and it stuck with me forever. Stuck with me forever. Did it hurt you? Yeah. It, when he when he said it, I was like, Phew found my level like no I'm nowhere near my level and honestly that's been my that's been my 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 motivation was not that but that that really that was at like maybe I might have been 21 22 Um, stoked the fire yeah that really stuck today even now I think I think about it it Um, so that stuck with me and fear of failure I never wanted to fail 
it'd be you'd be super interested, mate, to know that how many people, you know, at the end are, are asking questions a little bit quicker and a lot of, you know, what advice would you give to yourself? Ask everybody. And, and a lot of them say, oh, I'd, I'd ask myself to enjoy it more. I'd go back and I enjoy it more. And it's interesting that you just say that because if you went back and treated that moment any differently or you didn't think oh, I've had success here, but I want to go again, then arguably you might not be as successful as you have been and, and continue to be. So there's, I think there's a fine line really between, you know, when, if your advice would be to someone up to enjoy it, but you know, not to the point of where you lose sight of where you want to, where you want to be. So I think that's actually a, you know, a, an incredible attribute that you do have is that you're able to have success and allow it to, to drive you forward. And most of the guys that I've spoken to that play at the top, top level, and even to be fair, the ones that you know are playing in the national league, we've all sort of had that difficult moments and, and allowed it to drive you or, or even successful moments allowed it to, to drive you out. How important do you think that that's been for you, um, you know, as a measure is your success? Yeah, definitely massive. Um, I think the good moments you want more of, um, but it's like a drug that, that feeling of, of striving for success and whatever success is in, in your head or in your, in your life, whatever that may be, the, the, it's the it's the journey to get there that 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 is is the enjoyable bit really because as soon as you as soon as you reach your goal no matter what it is as soon as you reach your goal you set a new goal because your life doesn't finish then you know you, you whatever you whatever your goal is you you'll reach it and there's another goal there's more, there's always more there's always you can always get better you can always improve so no matter what it's been for sure it's always been you have to be really, in my opinion, you have to be realistic. Um, how far can your attributes or um, qualities take you? Um, but you can always work harder at them, get better at them. So you can always continue to raise. Anyhow, used to say to us, lads, we're not changing anything we do. We're going to continue to work and play the same way we play, but we're going to raise the bar. And that, that, mo- that saying of we're going to raise the bar, I've taken with me in all of, all of my life. Did you, a goal, is goal setting something that you've done, you know, throughout your career? Yeah, for sure. What does that process look like for you then? I used to write down how many assists I'd like in a season, how many goals I'd like in a season. If I hit the target earlier, say I got to 10 goals by, I don't know, I'd say, right, I want another seven goals before the end of the season. Um, just, I just used to write it down on a note, I'm always making notes on notepads and things like that. So I used to write it down on a notepad I used to write down. Uh, I still do today. If if uh, if we have a game, I try and write down a list of um, two or three things that I want to achieve in the game. Whether that be I want to I want to make four crosses in the first half, just so I have a clear and that's developed over time. This was when I was young. I used to write down goals, assists. My dad would say, "Oh, how many goals do you think you're going to get, or whatever?" Um, and that's just developed and evolved over time. Um, I worked with a psychologist when I was at Bournemouth really lucky great man um, again some of the tools that he's given me I'll pass on to my children and and they've taken me a long way in life so and uh, taught me a lot so um, yeah it's just just about trying to develop every day I think that's at Bournemouth I think if you spoke to any of the lads at Bournemouth collectively everyone as a person and as a football player were better we're looking to try and get as many takeaways for, for people to improve their game as possible, mate. Obviously on this podcast, since the, 
you know, the leave no doubt name and, and stuff. So can you give us an insight into some of those things you took from that psychologist or, or are you going to keep yeah. it to yourself? No, no, no. Um, I mean, I won't go into like detail, but it was, it was more about what's important. Um, I remember at Bournemouth at the time we'd had success in a short spell. Uh, so it was like some, there were, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that any of the boys lost their way, but there were, there were probably elements of things that all of a sudden the boys could have things that they could never have before. They could have a big house, they could have flash cars, they could have a watch, things that you, from the outside you see. And as a young kid, you think, ah, oh, they're footballers, they got this, they got that. It, it's, it's really not important. Um, and th- don't get me wrong, every, every one of us growing up, we, we see it, we want it. It's human nature, um, but it's not important. It's not important. Your performance on a Saturday is the most important thing and pleasing your teammates, pleasing your manager and ultimately pleasing yourself. With There's no better feeling than playing well on Saturday for your, for your team. There's no better feeling. I think throughout this conversation already, um, you know, sort of about 15 minutes in now, you've, you've mentioned um, Eddie's name a lot as, a, you know, one of your best managers. He's spoken about the Canio um, and you know, and to plug another a podcast again, I'm going to remind people that this, you know, Side Ferry's Open Goal podcast that you've done with him is an incredible insight into maybe some of the the more mental stories of the Canio and, and how he was a bit of a character and some, you know, you'd be able to go there and have a laugh. But you speak about him in in a different way to others. Like you, you, you know, you do tell the stories of of the you know the nutty stuff that he used to do, but he had an incredible incredible impact on on your career and um, arguably since working with him that was you know what helped you to, to progress is what you did so I'm interested for people's insight you know if any Swindon fans end up watching this who, who want to see you know get a bit of an insight into Matt Ritchie's Swindon career what do you think it was you know we'll get into detail but what do you think it was overridingly about him um, that went so well for you uh, the big, the biggest the biggest thing that the Canio sort of opened my eyes to was nutrition I'll never before I met him I was never exposed to how important it was to what to eat for energy, for uh, recovery. I never knew anything about that really. I was just pasta and cheese and pasta. And uh, I used to drive to Swindon train. I'd have a bag of Skittles in my car. And um, that was, that was like normality. I didn't know what, I didn't know if there was anything wrong with that. I didn't know there was anything wrong with that. Um, and as you, as you, I'm sure you're aware, the Italians are very um Specific with what what the players are eating and and, and taking on board, so it took away sauces. Yeah, and the canio took away uh, sauces, orange juice, um, so many different things. It was like at dinner we had water, um, everything was measured. It was it was good, and that was a we were in League Two at the time, so it was like a lot of the boys hadn't seen this, and a lot of the boys rebelled and and went against it. But as you said, I mean, I always um, this is like the can Palo de Canio is telling us this like. There's, there's method in the madness, you know. Um, so I went along with it and, and bought into it. And I would say I got my rewards because it was certainly, it was the fittest I've ever been. Um, as you said about size podcast, the, the fat little piggy uh, comment that, um, that he made the first time he met me. Um, he'd said, the chairman's told me, well, you, you're meant to be my best player, but you look like a fat little piggy. And, and that, that again, that was like... I don't want him to think that of me. I, I, like, I want him to. I want him to think I'm ready and I'm. I'm. I'm the man, you know. Um, and that that preseason, we were in 54 days straight. 
no recovery days, run, run, run. And I was the fittest I've ever been. And um, by that time, at the end of that preseason, I didn't, I still didn't know about the nutrition so much. Obviously it was just getting sort of uh, implemented within the group. And uh, throughout that season, throughout that time with him, I learned a lot. Um, Claudio was his fitness coach and Claudio's a great man, really intelligent, uh, a lot of knowledge. He worked in so many different sports. Uh, he now works with the the Italian FA and um, he, he, he taught me an, an awful lot. So being exposed to, to top level people that obviously, the Can- if the Canio thinks Claudio is good enough to come in and be his, his sort of fitness coach, nutrition guy, then this is the Canio and when 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 I went to when Decanio was coming to Swindon, obviously you go online, you look what's what's his career and this that and the other, and everyone knows him. But what's he really like? And I think there's so many YouTube videos of how he used to train. He was the he was the last one in training. He used to have his pers- he used to have a personal trainer after training, so he'd train in the morning, and then run in the afternoon with with his private training uh, coach. Um, so that sort of that mentality excited me. It was like, I'm going to get exposed to what the, what the players at the absolute top do. And I'd had a taste of it at Portsmouth, but then to get those um, tools around you again, you, you may, that may never come again. And I felt like with the Canio, I was like, this is it. This is, this is here. He's going to push us. And I bought into it and, and I got my rewards. I loved it. See, um, I was trying to bring it up and focus on it, but that, you know, that shout that he give you on the first day, you know, the little picky shout and, Somebody else, as you've told us, saying, "Oh, you found your level in League One." Like these, these things that people have said to you that almost hurt you a little bit. You've never allowed those to affect you so negatively that you've, you know, that you've that you've crumbled ultimately, or that you've let them affect you past the point of that you've not been able to progress. How important is it? Do you think that people build a mindset because everybody takes? shit right now abuse online everybody's opinion is has got a platform to to be read a lot of people can get affected by those sorts of stuff but you you know you've never allowed that to happen to you how important do you think that mentality mentality is yeah i think um nowadays is so different parts as you say like i'm probably even in even in our era i've never never had any social media from a young young age like facebook i think was the last thing i had i was probably 15 16 and I got sick of Pompey, Pompey friends sort of thing asking me for tickets for the weekend. I thought this is this is only people that contact me on Facebook, just people saying, "Oh, can you grab us a ticket for the weekend?" So that went, but um, and that's probably it's probably been a, a. I don't know what my career would have been like if I had had social media or whatever, because I think any any media, any press, whatever it is, if it's negative about you, it, it affects you in a way, definitely. Um, it may fuel you. You may use it as fuel, but for sure, it's a it's not a nice thing. I remember when I went, when I signed for Newcastle, uh, the local paper, the Chronicle would. Uh, I mean, we were flying, and then I went for a patch through Christmas. I couldn't. I couldn't. Uh, nothing could go right for me. Nothing dropped for me, you know. And I remember picking up the paper on the way into training, and it was like I might have got a six in the paper or something. And it was like, Richie's not at it at the minute or whatever, you know, and, and that, that sticks with me today still. And s- since that season, I try and not, I try and not see the, the reports and things like that, you know, obviously people send you things if there's good, but good or bad, it's, it's so difficult to have that balance of 
what do you do with other people's opinion? Ultimately, you, I'm, I'm my own biggest critic. I knew if I played bad, good or bad at the weekend. Um, I know if I need to work harder on something. I know if I need to um, pinpoint something that needs improvement and I need help with the coaches or whatever it is. Um, I would say judge yourself. Be your, be your own judge and and uh, try and try and cut out the outside noise because ultimately the only person's opinion that matters is yours and the manager's. You never had social media, obviously, ever, did you? You know, you've had teammates trying to get you on it and, and pepper you about it. Just never, you just never bothered. I just like, where did I that? Did, where did it come from? That just the lack of desire to to do it. Honestly, it was uh, it was when I was at Portsmouth. I just got in in around the Portsmouth setup, and uh, I remember I used to get messages from people that, that like I knew them, but I didn't know them. If you know what I mean, um, and they'd say, "Ah." Oh, can you get me two tickets for the? I mean, people have got more front than front than Asda, haven't they? I said, oh, can you can you get me uh, two tickets for the weekend and things like this? And I'm thinking, like, I don't even know this guy. Well, people thought they knew you because it, yeah. local local yeah. guy, yeah. And and I was I'm a, I would say I was a nice kid, you know. I was thinking like, oh, I need to write back to him and say like, oh, sorry, <laughs> mate, I can't get. But this got like out of hand, or maybe once or twice I might have got them some, you know. Excuse me, Sol Campbell, can I have thirty tickets, please? This is what I'm saying, like. And, and I've just started travelling the first team. The last thing you want to do is be like, oh, can I get seven tickets for all my mates, you know? Um, so, yeah, that, that that was like, I was like, I'm accessible here to people that I don't even know. I don't like this. And I was just getting asked for things and I thought, oh, I'm, not, I'm, I'm coming off of that. Um, and I've never had any desire. Uh, I've never had any desire for it. I've, I've just, football's there. Footballers just play football, you know? So let's get back onto the Canio then before we move on. What was the, um, you know, give us a little insight there as to how you felt when you came in because you knew you were going to be exposed to, to top elite coaching and top elite mentality. But what were the long lasting, I know you're obviously still in touch with him a bit, but what was the long, you know, those long lasting memories and takeaways that you, that you took from him that stayed with you? Be as fit as you can possibly be. Your body, my, my body that pre-season was, I mean, I was so fit parts it gave me I didn't know that you could push yourself that hard like you'd you'd run and you'd be thinking I'm going to be sick here oh I'm going to shit myself you know that's how it felt honestly every day this is every day two sessions three sessions sometimes it was crazy um, but I bought into it and so did so did a lot of the lads a lot of that we had a really good team at the time for that level and um, we were successful and it was because we were fitter than everyone else it wasn't that we had better players than everyone else we were fitter than everyone else um, so that that was something that made me think my, the sky's the limit you, you, you only put you're the only person that could put a limit on yourself you know um, and you see like even now you, I look at like these guys breaking breaking the records of marathons and things like that and I understand sports science and, and stuff's moving on but ultimately it's uh, it's it's just more controlled I think because of all the data and stuff like that but the sky's the limit You've always been, you know, you've always put a lot of emphasis on your fitness. We, you know, you've given us an insight as a 14, 15 year, year old, like going in extra runs most nights on, on your own. So it wasn't like that you got that obviously from Decanio. You had that, you know, burning within you from, from an early age. I want to get into you a little bit. I know, but I, I want other people to understand that, especially players, it'd be nice for other people to get an insight into what an elite professional footballer does in their summer holidays. But it's not just... You know, you specifically never went on the lads' holidays. You know, you never went 
a way to to relax and and to to take your foot off. You went on holidays where you could combine it with your training. You went to Italy to cycle. You went, you know, whenever you were going anywhere else, you'd agree for a trainer to be there or to find a pitch to play on. How important do you think that that mentality is ultimately to be successful? I know not everybody does it. And there's obviously a lot of Premier League superstars who will go away and will, will turn the phone off and, and not do any training. Yeah, well, but yeah. most of the elite professionals now are training in the summer. It's, you know, it's a real big opportunity to get better. And you always did that. You know, I've trained with you a lot of summers and, and I thought I was doing enough. And then I've realised what you were doing and, and I was behind. What, what was it? What is that mentality like in a summer for you? Yeah, the, men- the mentality was always I can make gains here because I knew I didn't, I'd, I'd never, I'd never been into the party lifestyle. Obviously, as you know, I'd been with them for since a young age. And and to be fair, if it wasn't for Emma, she, she sort of kept me on the straight and narrow. Obviously the lads are all going on holidays of wherever they're going. Like she's not, she's not having that, I you know, you know what she's we like. A couple of nights where like early days young. Yeah. I remember you just saying like, that ain't for me. I ain't no. doing that again. I never, no. I never saw you out again. Yeah. It, 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 I just didn't enjoy it. I just, I didn't, I'm not good at dancing. Um, I didn't like drinking. So it's like, what am I going out for? You know, had a missus. Um, so yeah, the, I just, I don't know. I just, I just really didn't enjoy it. I don't enjoy that environment now still. Like if I was going to go out now, it's, it's for, for food or whatever, but certainly don't enjoy like a nightclub environment. It's not for me. See, um, like to, to tail off slightly, we'll get back to, to your summers, but how were you then able to, to, make such long lasting friendships with teammates and have such good relationships with teammates without doing the whole, I'm going out having a drink and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I, I think in the end people respect, people respect. I mean, the amount of times someone said to me, Oh, come on, man. Like just once, just come, just come for an hour, just come for two hours. Like if I had a pound for every time someone said that, like unbelievable, you know? Um, and I was just strong. I was just in the zone as, as a younger player. I was strong. I was in the zone that, that's not good. It's not what professional footballers do. Um, but then, as I say, I, I did go out a few times and I just didn't enjoy it. Um, it wasn't an environment I felt comfortable in and I didn't want to be there um, ultimately. And then, I don't know, I just I just did things I enjoyed. I found cycling. I love cycling, as you know. Um, I feel like it's good. It's good for recovery. Um, it was like It was like something I enjoyed, not football, but also it could benefit my physical state, you know? So I, I love that. I still love it today. Um, yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I, I didn't really, didn't really have any appetite and I didn't really not, not, not care what people think because I, I do, everyone cares what people think. Um, but I was just. Just had a such strong belief. of Yeah, I had a strong belief that it wasn't good for me. I didn't enjoy it. Why should I do it? Um, and I was, as I say, I was lucky. I had my missus that we've been together a long, long time, and and she she she's never been into it either, really. And um, and that was that. We we sort of steer clear of it. And and I sort of look back now, and I think like Em's dad always says, "Oh, when I was young, I was he's a Geordie actually, believe it or not." And he says, oh, "I used to go out on the drink and this that, and the other." He says, oh, "I wasted so much money and or so many years of my life being silly, really." And when you when you get slightly older, you look back and think, really, what was it all for, you know? Um, and and I sort of am I proud of it? I'd, I'd say I'm proud of who I am. Yeah, I'm proud that I was strong enough to say no uh, numerous times to to cl- as you say, close friends. A lot, even my close friends would be like, "Come on, mate, just just for one, just just for an hour." 
And I'd say no, because I know that if I go for an hour, it's two hours, three hours, and then they're all drunk or whatever, and you've got to leave. It's like, I just never put myself in that position, and I still don't now today. I think it's a great example, mate, honestly, to, to people who want to ultimately be elite footballers, not just footballers, but elite athletes that... That, that, that's what you've got to do yeah I don't I don't want to sit here and say no, cause that's the only everything way. I do yeah. is perfect you know like I eat junk food I have you know what I mean like yeah, I'm yeah. not I, I probably cycle when I shouldn't cycle you know so I'm not perfect but it, that environment just wasn't for me and as I say still not today but there's a time and a place for it for sure and even I mean there are there are some nights out that especially at Bournemouth I mean I think it was uh, after Christmas and the lads will swear to you that Matty, the Christmas do is what what got us on that run. It brought the lads together. And I mean, I don't buy it personally. Um, but Fano will tell you, Matty, I'm telling you, it was the Christmas do that brought us together for that run in January or whatever. So, yeah. Go on, mate. On the flip, talk us to, to, about your summers. How, how would you... So say it's um, this summer coming up, you know, the pair of us, both 32 years old now, if you just turned 33. 33, yeah. You're an early one, in September. Yeah. So... You're coming up to a summer. How do you plan your summer? What goes through your head? Well, now it's changed parts. Obviously, you've got the kids to think about and um, you want to please them, really. Um, but even now, still, obviously, being up in Newcastle, I really enjoy coming home, um, having a feeling of, of being at home when, you, when, you're not, when you're not living there all the time. It's, it's uh, something that you miss. So, yeah, to, to come home, I love it. You've got the seaside, you've got the, the forest, um, so I enjoy my time here but I'm sort of feeling a little bit of pressure now actually the kids are like daddy can we go to the water park or um, they love the slides and things like that so and and also I want them to see the world I want them to, to experience uh, different places different cultures so there's a there's a there's a small amount of pressure being applied from from Harry mainly but um, my summer now I, I just try and play tennis cycle I do try and have two two or three weeks where I really switch off and, and, but even that, you get to the third week and you're itching, you're itching to go again. And as I said to you before, I think that the summer is a great time to, to put yourself in a really good, strong position to go back and be like in the manager's, in the manager's forefront of his mind. And um, if you're the fittest player going back, I think that it's a, as long as your, your performances throughout pre-season are good, I think, um, and fitness as well. If, if you're the fittest player, you're less fatigued. Your decision making's better. The quality on the ball's better because uh, you're physically in a, in a in a good shape to to perform. And um, any head start against not only your teammates but obviously the the opposition um, is so important now. Because even recently, like I, I missed you after um, you know Newcastle played Tranmere, didn't they in the league in in the League Cup? And I remember missing you and saying, um, you know, I watched the game perform well but it wasn't so much you know performance on the ball I remember thinking God he's not played for a while and he's uh, he seems to be all over the place like you, you never like you're, I know you're, you're a powerful runner you always have been but I remember thinking how's he not been able to play for so long and still look like he's so fit and he's able to and not just like fit as in like I'm running around the pitch but able to like jump and press hard back into your position like every, all your, your hard running lasted for 90 minutes which is tough on, on, on people's legs how have you managed to, and you gave me an insight into some of the stuff that you do, but for, like, for the benefit of people listening, so what does it look like when you're not necessarily in the team as much as what you'd like to be, mm-hmm. but you're still game ready? How, how do you manage to do that? Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a something, again, that I've learned over the last probably two or three years where there have been moments where I've not been in the team. Um, 
but I've, I'm, I'm, I've got to say, Pops, I'm so lucky at Newcastle. We've got obviously a fantastic environment to work in, uh, all the all the tools that we could possibly need. But um, it's more about the people. The people we got Dan Hodges, uh, who you know, um, who's S and C and 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 sort of any CV stuff and and running any anything you ask for or any you say I want to top up or whatever. He's there. He'll support you. Uh, he'll guide you. And then we got a guy called Nick Grantham in the gym. That um, Nick's Nick's sort of uh, no 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 sort of frills, but solid, good solid work that keeps you strong, keeps you physically in a, in a really good place. And um, and I've been really lucky, really really lucky with with as I say, good staff, but a um, a really good environment, good good uh, good coaches. So. Um, obviously you have to have appetite to go and do it and work hard. But um, yeah, I knew, I, I knew going into this season, it was always going to be difficult to, to, to play week in, week out. And obviously I've not played as much as I'd like because of so many different reasons. Um, the, the cup games, when, when you're called upon, um, you, you've got to be ready. You've got to be, it's your opportunity to, to sort of make a, make a claim. So what do you think, what do you think it was about you then with, that, that has been able to have, really positive relationships with all your managers you think it's just, something about you or something about them no, I think I think it's it's, a, it's, a, it's collective it's about it's about having respect for, for people like I said earlier about teammates how do you get on with your teammates you have respect for them um, and that's what I've always tried to do I've always as you know I've always been very vocal of my feelings and, and if I feel that there can be higher standards or improvement um, but that's always driven me as well that's if I'm if I'm I'm asking for higher standards from in whatever area it may be. Why are you not in the gym or whatever? As the older you get, obviously you can you can speak to younger players and maybe say, or even even players of your own age and say, look, come on, we need you. You need, you're 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 one of the more, more experienced ones now. Come in the gym and let's start doing some sessions and, and people will follow. And um, you know what it's like in times times sometimes habits fall away. You might get two or three months into the season, the boys have. Uh, we're plodding along nicely in the league or whatever, and all of a sudden, no one's in the gym on a Tuesday. You're thinking, "Where is everyone?" Um, and that's down to what you'd say is the core of your squad to to prick everyone's ears a little bit and say, "Come on, like we're going to do this." Or the SNC coach has got a leg session. Let's let's get in. And um, I think it's just respect. But to answer your question in, in terms of relationships, I think it's just respect um, for your manager, for the staff. Um, and and give them everything because ultimately they're there to when 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 you've got a man that they're with you you're not you're not uh, you're not separate your manager's part of your team your coaches are part of your team you all want, you all want one thing and that's success whatever that whatever that looks like it's different at different places but ultimately everyone's pushing for the same thing success and I think uh, in any working environment you have to get on with people that. You might not spend. I mean, I don't really pass other than my family. I don't. Uh, I don't spend a lot of time with, with with anyone else. But that's down to my my situation in terms of where where we're living and things like that. But um, I, I I get on with everyone. I, I wouldn't say there's no one that uh, I don't get on with, and and I, I feel like that's a strained relationship. It's not. I've never, never, never has it been. So these, I mean, you've been around enough changing rooms, um, and especially in elite environments, to 
to know when a player isn't necessarily understood or might be, you know, people would always refer to, oh, he's got a bad attitude or, you, you know, and that player might feel like, oh, I'm misunderstood. You know, those players are everywhere. What advice would you give? Because you've never had that, you know, situation. You've, you've never been misunderstood. You've always been respectful. You've always asked questions. You've always been trustworthy and, and, and reliable. For these guys that are necessarily going through periods where their attitude's being questioned or they feel like, oh, no one understands me or, or they're, they're blaming everything on, on a manager or, or, or trying to find an excuse elsewhere. Like what, what advice would you give to them about how they can become, you know, I'm not just embarrassing you, but more accountable, a little bit like you? There's a, one, I don't know, one, one, one thing I've learned um, over, over the past few years probably is um, you, you can't change anyone. You, you, can, you can maybe try and, guide or um, uh, try and give advice to whoever the, if they ask for it or whatever but you'll never change anyone so as long as um, as long as you're doing what you feel is right um, by them or by yourself uh, whether that be how you apply yourself in training how you apply yourself in the gym how you apply yourself around the training ground good good manners respect for everyone um, they're, they're values that the gaffer, really. I mean, I would say as, uh, my upbringing was good, and I got I was taught good values. As as as, as you know, like you, we were all uh, from our group, we were, we were all good kids. Um, but the biggest thing is just res- respect, and and those values take you so far in life. You, like you say, that you see players that blame everyone, or I say players, you see people, you see people that blame someone else, or it's not my fault this happened because of that. Um, more often than not, it's because they've not looked in the mirror and said, actually, I might have been wrong in that scenario. And and then all of a sudden you dig a bigger hole because you can't accept that you were wrong. And um, and then in the end, in football, you know, it's like in football, in the end, you're out the door within, within minutes, and especially more so now. I mean, now the, the it's like, it's, not, it's not, not good for the group, out. That's how it is. Um, so, yeah, you, you, there's no choice now. Um, but, yeah. Just good values. Okay, mate. Let's uh, start get to, to get to the end now. So I've got some quick, of, I call them quick fire questions, but you know I'll probably ask you more questions about each one. So slow fire questions. Number one, <laughs> what is the best piece of advice you've ever had in your career? The best piece of advice I've ever had in my career. This is really slow fire questions, but you're right. Other than you found your level. Yeah, you found your level. Um, there's not really one not one piece there's not one piece of advice really that I can that I can pinpoint and say it was that you know yeah. maybe come back to <laughs> alright no problem um, what in your opinion was your best performance ever you remember it best performance ever it certainly wasn't the Johnson Paint Trophy for Swindon at Wembley. That was a shambles. What a big day, parts, and it all went to pot. Like how, like how, I mean, go on in. How, how do you approach such a big day like that? And Because um, um, yeah. I haven't got down here what was your worst performance, but how, how, it's a cup final, massive when, day. If you'd have said worst performance, that's straight <laughs> in the top of my head. Like what, what ends up happening there, then, do you reckon, for, for that to happen? Well, it, it was like, I was at Swindon, in the JTP final, which was obviously for Swindon, it was like massive. Wembley, first time I'd ever been to Wembley or played at Wembley. And um, 
I was just a marked man on the day and I just couldn't get a yard. I can't Who did you play against? Uh, it was, I think it was Colchester. Um, Colchester, yeah. I just couldn't get a yard. Like every time I got a kick, the fullback just, it was there. And I just, I would go deeper and deeper. And I remember having, I think it was about 75 minutes, I got a free kick, 25 yards out. And you know what it's like when it's going wrong? I whistled one, it's gone like 40 yards over the bars. Like, it sums me up today. Um, but I suppose it was a learning curve. It was like, the emotion, the feeling going into the game. Um, yeah, I remember it, it was such a big build-up because it was we were at Swindon at the time. It was like for us, it was like you may never get an opportunity yeah. again. Yeah, um, that was just rubbish. Absolutely. So flip it then. What what was your best performance? My best performance. There's been a few, but the one that sticks out in your memory. Yeah, there's a couple, couple at Bournemouth of that moments. Probably not performance, but moments. Chess volley. Uh, yeah, first Premier League goal for Bournemouth, Jess Volley. That was a fantastic moment. Um, another one was Bolton when we got promoted. Um, Yanni chested it for me, teed me up, passed it into the corner. Yeah, passed it in the corner. That was that was like such relief, you know. Um, and then we played at Newcastle. We played Tottenham at home, and I actually got taken off in the game, uh, but. Probably got to 70 minutes. Um, but I remember playing and thinking, I'm playing against Tottenham here. And I felt like I was, I felt like I, if anything was happening, I was, I was, uh, it was coming, it was coming down my side of the pitch and it gave me so much comfort. I watched the, I watched most of the games back that, that I played in and I watched it back and there, there was, I took a lot of confidence from that. And even in, even in uh, later on, two, three years later, if I was ever going through a tough period and not creating enough or not getting in the spaces that I maybe could have done, I would always go back to some clips from that game and, and um, Jocelyn scored ahead of that game uh, across from, from the from the right-hand side of my left foot. And, uh, that, that's like a memory of Newcastle that I think that was a, that was a good game, you know? See, I'm super in, interested in, in getting an insight into how... Players like you who who have defining moments in games. So, you know, you, your assists and your goals that you put so much emphasis on uh, and have done your whole career. Before I start going left back. <laughs> that, um, <laughs> that volley, that first Premier League goal that you scored, right? And if and if nobody's seen it, please get on your YouTube after, you know, the next 10 minutes or so when we're done. YouTube, Matt Ritchie, um, volley, Premier League goal. How in your mind is the ball landing to you on the edge of the box from a, from a cleared corner and you're thinking, and, but, and, and I have an insight in this because we practice chess volleys <laughs> for every day for years. Mm-hmm. But like to actually know you were able to do that is one thing. To have the confidence and the guts to do it on a match day in the Premier League it is another. Or do you think is, you know, ability is one thing, but that, that mentality to to try it when it, it could easily just go over the bar or not even over the bar. Could Bournemouth's only small stadium could go out of the stadium, mate. Like what, uh, what gives you the bollocks to be able to go and do that? Like you say, parts, we practice every day. You don't, you don't think that when you're in the moment, you just, you just, you know, what it's like you're there. It's just a, but that's a skill, mate. Yeah, I know, but it's something that, um, as I said, right at the start of this, uh, this podcast, repetition, practice and repetition. I used to kick the ball against the wall every day. And again, what we used to do, I think it was a Thursday or Friday or whatever it is, 
Gaffer would say, chest volleys, anyone? Uh, and it was lighthearted. It was like the work was done, preparation was done. And we'd do chest volleys and, and we did that for what? Maybe a year, two that, years? Yeah. Or, I love that. It's like, it was a great laugh, it, good camaraderie. Um, but also you get repetition and, and uh, some good came of it. So, yeah. Think it's your best goal or, or not? Um, I mean, you know, I know you've scored a few. Yeah, at that level, yeah, definitely, yeah. It's my best goal at that level, yeah. Scored a bang of four Swindon again when I was playing for ball. Remember, you beat us 4 0? Yeah, yeah, I scored a few. That was a year that you signed for us. You signed for us in January, but we That's played right. you early on. You spanked us 4 0 and you scored an absolute banger. Yeah, yeah, I remember the game. I remember the game. Um, yeah, I scored some good ones, but. You scored two in that game. So I remember, some, think, I remember yeah. thinking before the game, like, oh, I was, like I've seen you before the game. I remember thinking, like, not many, I don't have a great memory. I remember thinking in that game. I also remember before the game, tell you a story, because we, um, we'd drawn a few games and lost a few games and there was perception, uh, you know, that we were supposed to be a good team in League One that year. Mm-hmm. Obviously ended up being promoted, but in that period, we, we were struggling a little bit. Music's on in the change room before the game. And one of the boys, Miles Addison, who, you know, was centre-back for us, is banging on the wall, like with the music. And the manager's going, uh, uh, he's going, yeah, Love that, Miles. Like, yes, lads, get into it. And so all the rest of the boys, like some of the boys are clapping their hands. Some of the boys are nodding their head. This is like just before kickoff, right? Yeah, just yeah. before we're about to go out. Yeah. So the atmosphere in the changing room is like, and I'm thinking, boys are up for it. Like, I'm, I even felt up for it. Like, I was <laughs> like, yeah, this is this is good. <laughs> we got slapped 4-0. <laughs> you scored two. Remember after the game, like, I couldn't even look at you. I was just, <laughs> sick. Yeah, that was a good day. Uh, okay, mate, next one. The um, We've spoken about it a little bit, but... It, you know, I can sort of guess what it is. The div- most difficult moment of your career and how did you work through that? Um, most difficult, possibly the year we got promoted, that season you just spoke about, League One, we got promoted in this summer. I got a thigh strain at Bournemouth um, and it, it wasn't straightforward. It was tendon in my thigh and I, I didn't come back. I didn't come back till I think I maybe... Know, two or three months into this into the season, that was really really frustrating time. It was like my opportunity on the on, on the championship stage with a really good manager, good team, and it was like I was chomping at the bit to 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 get on the pitch, you know. And I just kept uh, my rehab just just didn't go to plan, you know. Um, so that was a tough time, and then probably I would say the first spell at Newcastle when I when I. And I didn't. I had like a a time where I didn't play, and um, I had a time where I didn't play, and uh, that was tough. That was like like you said then about how do you keep your body in in shape, ready for the ready for the next challenge. And uh, I sort of went. My personality is all or nothing, and um, I just I just ran, smashed the gym, smashed the treadmill, trained like an animal. Um, so that every day I was making a point that if you need me, I'm there, you know. Um, and that was something that I was really proud of uh, when I came through that period and got back in the team. Uh, I performed really well when I got back in the team and I was really proud of that that spell of my career for sure. Uh, and last one, mate, just before we finish, is uh, is what advice would you give a young Matt Ritchie just starting out his career? Just work as hard as you can. Give everything. When you when you think you're working hard, you you can go more. Push your limits. Just still think that's applicable now. 
For sure. It's more than anything. Well, be, be even, not- even looking back, knowing how hard you have worked and how much you've dedicated your life to footy, you'd go back and tell yourself you might be able to squeeze a bit more out. Um, sorry, I may have misunderstood your question there then because I'm thinking what would I give to somebody else? Um, what would I give to myself? Yeah. Again, like you said, like enjoy it, but I wouldn't say I don't enjoy it. I love it, you know? We're, I'm, we're so lucky, parts. We play football for a living. We go to the best stadiums in the world, whether it's the Premier League, whatever it is, you go to a, a football stadium to play football, um, your kids, your family, everyone can see you um, doing what you love doing. Uh, they can be a part of it. Like It's just the best life ever. In, enjoy it as much as you possibly can, but at the same time, be the best you can possibly be. Listen, Matty, appreciate it, mate. Um, incredible insight for people into to what elite mentality looks like and um, hopefully people will be able to take a lot from this and, and use it on their own game. So thank you for your time, mate. No, it was a pleasure. Enjoyed it, mate. Top man. Good.